You're listening to the Automation Solution Podcast, where we provide innovative, value-added, smart technology solutions that automate and optimize manufacturing processes for customers seeking excellence. Regardless of your role, we'll share valuable solutions for you to apply within your area of responsibility. And now, your host, President of Robex, Craig Francisco. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Automation Solution Podcast. I just had a fantastic call with Ben Perlson from DHL's Innovation Center outside of Chicago. You're going to really enjoy the conversation, really focused on supply chain and automation. So without further ado, here we go. All right, Ben, welcome to the Automation Solution Podcast. I'm really excited to have you on today. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Craig. You bet. Well, I've got to, before I have you introduce yourself, Ben, I got to let you know, last week I spent a few days at the PAC Expo out in Las Vegas, which was great, by the way. I think the PMMI folks put on a phenomenal show. It was great to see all the suppliers, uh, you know, setting their booths up and spending time showcasing their technology. It was, the attendance was much better than I thought, you know, inconvenient to wear a mask and walk around and, and have conversations, but very, very positive overall. But the, the one thing that happened, Ben, that that I found pretty fascinating is, is in my world, in your world, we all know supply chain challenges exist. And and it's, you know, it's a difficult time for all of us. But literally every single booth, every conversation I overheard, every dinner, lunch, breakfast, sidebar conversation, everything revolved around supply chain. It was really amazing. And, and it's significant. So I'm I'm excited about this episode that we're going to record. I think you're going to be able to, to, to shed some light on what's currently taking place and then the future of supply chain and automation. And we're going to have a lot of fun. But before we dive in, if you could, can you give the listeners just a little background on yourself, Ben, if you don't mind? Yeah, for sure. And I'm bummed I missed the, I wasn't able to be at the PAC Expo in Las Vegas. I talked to a number of people and they said it was all a huge success. So lots of follow-ups there on that. It, it um, was, yes. Thank you. Yeah, but a little bit about myself. <clears throat> I'm the innovation manager. I'm actually the robotics and automation lead out of our America's Innovation Center in Chicago for DHL. Um, prior to that, I've been well, I've been in that role for a few years now. And then prior to that, I was finishing up graduate school uh, for industrial and systems engineering, where I focused on mechatronics and advanced technologies, and actually got to be a teaching assistant for a class called stochastic modeling, which is really just a fancy way of statistics when there's unknown things that are going to happen. So um, really relevant within the world we are in right now, where who knows what's going to happen just a few days from now. But um, yeah. right now, really, the majority of my time is spent working with uh, startups, integrators, and, uh, their, uh, and our customers to bring the best uh, technology into their operations. That's great. So let's go back to your education because there is one point I want to ask. So you're an Iowa Hawkeye, correct? Yep. Number and three right now. I was going to say, so how big of a deal is this? You got a huge game coming up against Penn State on the 9th of October. So we're going to see uh, see how real you guys are, right? Got to play it cool. I'm, I'm trying to level set expectations. Yeah, that's me. a pretty big smile you have on your face, but you guys, you deserve we'll it. It's been a, been a fun fun year so far. Absolutely. But anyway, that's that's awesome. So again, your role at DHL, innovation manager for robotics and automation. The can you tell everyone 
a little bit more about your role and how that ties into the Innovation Center there in Chicago? Sure. So our Innovation Center in Chicago, we actually have a few of them globally. First one, Germany, another one in Singapore, ours in Chicago. And we're actually in the uh, within actually later this month, opening up our fourth one in Dubai. Um, and the goal of these innovation centers globally is to bring innovation close to our customers. So really regionalize these topics because what's relevant here in America might not be very relevant to our customers in Asia, but we want to make sure we have dedicated resources to discover what's out there, connect the technologies with our customers, and then create meaningful change in operations. Gotcha. Okay. And so your your role specifically there in Chicago, then are you in charge of bringing people into the facility or how what's your role there exactly yeah so we have we have an entire team dedicated to customer engagements making sure that every customer for dhl that wants to come through is able to be accommodated and we have a whole team making sure they see what's out there and then a group like myself really make sure that when they're there they're able to see the latest and greatest technologies there so uh, we don't want to call our uh, facility a museum that means things have gotten a little too old we're trying to keep everything pretty fresh. No, it's great. And, and I had a chance, uh, you know, a few weeks ago to visit you and your team there, Ben, and we'll talk a little bit about that, my trip here later on, but I was just blown away by, uh, you know, how unbelievable this this center is and what you're showcasing. And I think it's just great for people to, to know that it's there, number one. Now, the one thing I learned, Ben, is you and I have, have had some conversations and, and I'm starting to understand DHL you know, a little bit on, on a deeper level. Can For the listeners here, I, I'm not sure everybody really understands what all DHL does here in the United States. Could you spend a few minutes and talk about the divisions and then what role those divisions play here in the U.S.? All right. So we have four main business units in uh, the Americas. First one is DHL Express, which really focuses on time-definite deliveries. Um, similar to UPS FedEx. So if you ever see a DHL delivery truck on the road or a um, DHL airplane, that usually falls under our express business unit. Okay. Um, then we have supply chain, which really acts as third-party logistics warehousing from any customer uh, segment imaginable, from cosmetics and beauty all the way to industrial, um, industrial uh, equipment like uh, oil, gas, energy industry. Okay. Then... There's the e-commerce business unit, which just to set it clear, we do not do uh, e-commerce fulfillment. What that really is, is we're the actually the one of the largest workshare partners for the USPS, um, where we do sortation and then hand off the parcels to the USPS, where they'll do the last mile delivery. So in that, we really handle a lot of the distribution and sortation, but not the last mile delivery, which I think is an important differentiator to really identify how DHL stays in their core um, areas of competence. Yep. And then lastly, for the business units in the Americas, we have our global forwarding business unit, which really is a freight forwarder and uh, really one of the largest ocean and air um, air freight forwarders in the world. So those are the main business units. I know it's a lot. DHL's in a little bit of every um, every area of the market. And then of course, I'd be remiss not to uh, mention in Europe, DHL is one of the largest uh, post and parcel carriers. They're actually the official mail carrier of Germany and a few other countries out uh, in Europe. So really big company, expansive with their hand in quite a few different topics. 
Yeah, it's fascinating. It's it's surprising that you know. Obviously, we know. I know the brand. Everybody knows the brand. It's just I didn't realize how in depth um, DHL went in, in the different areas. So, just going back to supply chain, I want the listeners to really um, understand this whole warehousing 3PL, what this looks like, because this I think will surprise a lot of people. And, and I don't know whatever you are able to share or not share, but curious of how many facilities you know, across the U.S. are you managing your customer's product? So it's, I, I assume, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's product that's coming in from a manufacturer of some sort, whether it's like you said, cosmetics, food, beverage, could be equipment, could be different things, but you're, you're bringing the product into a warehouse that you then manage, where are you then, are you re, like depalletizing, repackaging, uh, st- you know, uh, storage, shipping how, what does that look like yeah so the answer what does it look like is quite difficult because we have customers across every sector imaginable like i said and so that naturally encompasses a okay. little bit from every use case so um we have hundreds hundreds of facilities thousands across the world where we manage everything from um, order fulfillment to palletizing for distribution centers um really we run the whole gamut so um, there isn't one answer, but any use case for automation, there is a place within uh, one, at least a handful of our operations in DHL. Okay, and, and how small, like give me a range in terms of like square footage, like do you go down to like a small little 10,000 square foot operation up to, you know, a million square feet? What do these facilities look like? So again, and you're probably going to get tired of hearing me say this, the answer is <laughs> it ranges quite a bit. It's okay. But if, if the, and if, a customer really only needs a very small percent or a small amount of square footage. We'll oftentimes see if we can combine that with another uh, customer that's in a similar place to have kind of a shared resource or a shared facility. So that way um, we're able to manage, give these customers the best level of service while maintaining the levels of quality that any DHL customer expects. So we have some customers, a handful of sites that are well over a million square feet and then handfuls that are just in a couple hundred thousand. So it really will range. And then within some of our um, express and e-commerce, the smaller facilities, you'll have um, buildings that are quite a bit smaller. And um, we'll talk about this a little bit later, I'm sure, but square footage is really at a premium, um, especially right now with the boom in e-commerce and um, really what's been happening to the logistics industry. So let's yeah. I mean let's let's just kind of segue there because I, I do think going back to my comment about pack Expo and everybody you know just really up in arms about supply chain and and the challenges that they're seeing really it's delays for multiple products across pretty much every industry what do you think's the cause of this what do you see happening I just be curious to get your your input it is crazy um, that's for sure so what is the cause of it I mean Obviously, COVID is one of the big factors, but um, had a conversation with our CEO of Express for the Americas region, uh, Mike Parra, and he was actually mentioning there's this new topic before. I'm sure you've heard people say there's the fear of missing out FOMO. Well, now there's this new trend, uh, which Mike likes to call FORO, fear of running out. So that just-in-time delivery uh, idea that used to be really what dominated how warehouses and logistics and manufacturing operations ran. Um, well, it's now really shifting to, you got to order ahead, you got to order early because 
it's unpredictable out there. And you don't know how long some of these things are taking. We're in the midst of expanding more facilities than I, I can name right now. Um, and there's so much unpredictability in how long certain items that are really key to um, these operations are. Like conveyor is a really big example of something that's taking a while to get in. Um, right. Obviously, remiss not to mention the semiconductor chip shortage that has really been impacting every industry. Yeah, that's great. I, you know, I never thought of the, the fear of running out is, is a great analogy. And it, you see it. I, you get, I was just you know, in the grocery store this weekend. It's just funny how you go into certain areas and you still see water and Gatorade and, and empty aisles. It's like, how can this be? And I, it's got to be the same thing where people are buying more than more than is more than likely needed at the time just because they, they want to have more on hand. I mean, it's crazy, but look what happened with toilet paper at the start yeah. of the pandemic. Everyone was probably pretty stocked up, but as soon as there's only one to two rolls left on the shelf, you're like, I got to get that now. Yeah, and I'm sure people still are, are, those habits were created and people are still doing that. And so so you've got, the, we have COVID where, you know, the world literally shut down for, for mm -hmm. a period of time. Now it's it's kind of snapped back in and we're seeing really record orders. We're seeing, especially focusing here on automation. And that's what we're really talking about. But <clears throat> the need for automation, is, it already was everywhere, but now I think a lot of, at least the manufacturers that we talk to at Robex on a regular basis, they just can't find people. They cannot find people that show up every day. So it's not a, it's not a matter of wanting to automate um, to you know, reduce headcount or save money. It's they need to automate to run a line which is a whole new conversation that didn't exist before. Yeah, I mean, we talked about supply chain shortage. People, I don't know if you'd call, wouldn't really call them part of the supply chain, but if there's one part that we could, I mean, kind of in, in certain ways, but if there's one point that I can really drive home is um, we need automation, not to replace people, but really to supplement our workforce. The industry all over is stretched extremely thin. That's not a secret to anybody. Right. And automation is really going to be, it's not the, it's not the um, magic bullet that's going to fix every single problem, but it is going to be a really important tool that helps to supplement that labor force and really get us to a point where we can begin to stabilize again and grow because that's part of our natural trajectory, not need to grow because this is just the situation that's been thrown to us. So. Um, it's for those reasons is why I think automation robotics specifically is going to be an incredible tool that we're going to see even more companies begin to leverage more than we have just now. And I think pack expo, what you saw the interest there, I think we're just now seeing the tipping point. Yeah. And, and really for, you know, when you're talking 3PL supply chain space, e-commerce, from my understanding, at least my experience my personal experience and research, there's still a lot of manual processes in place within these warehouses where you know, the automation, we talk about robotic arms, um, autonomous mobile robot ability, that there, there is so much opportunity uh, across all the businesses for this type of automation. Are, are you seeing that within your facilities as well? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of use cases that really lend itself to automation, but likewise, there's also a handful or a lot of use cases that we're still going to be operating manually for at least the foreseeable future. And so all right. we can really do is make those as efficient as possible while using advanced technologies to make the automation capable tasks 
um, as efficient as possible. And so an example there is, I mean, within our supply chain business unit, a few months ago, uh, it was announced uh, DHL supply chains rolling out over 2,000 uh, locust robots and AMR to really help with assisted picking because um, people are still doing the work, but the locusts are really helping amplify um, the volume and the efficiency of work that a person can do. So that's just one example within um, our own operations where we're really starting to see automation becoming a key tool to supplement our uh, labor. No, that's that's great. So let's let's talk more about the future today and, and moving forward because things are changing rapidly, Ben, and and every company out there that that wants to be relevant and successful in the future needs to adapt and adapt quickly and understand what the opportunities are. You know, watch out for the pitfalls, etc. Now, DHL puts out a a report. It's actually very comprehensive, which I just read it over the weekend. But the fifth edition of the logistics trend radar is out now. So talk to me a little bit about what's behind this. When did DHL start putting this together, and what, what's the purpose? Yes, that's a great question. Thanks for bringing that up. So, a team that the team that I'm on, part of the innovation managers, we also uh, work in a group called Trend Research, where every two years, uh, our team globally puts out a radar of business trend, business and social trends and technology trends and really kind of identify how big of an impact these are going to be and how soon of an impact that we're really going to see them um, kind of make their splash into the logistics operations. So um, it's a lot to cover. We'd probably need a whole nother series of podcasts to go sure. over in depth, but um, highly recommend. I know, Craig, you'll link it in the, yes, uh, I'll put it in the show, notes. show notes afterwards, but um, you can look at any of these topics like robotics and automation. It's a really relevant topic, but we're still probably a, a year, two, three years out before we see it becoming a really game-changing technology. We're still in the phase of a lot of proof of concepts and pilots to validate this technology. On that trend radar, we try to take a really realistic approach, uh, really steer away from the over-promise, under-deliver kind of um, approach that other companies are um, May, may look at, I guess, is sure. a gentle way of saying it. Like, for example, we still have self-driving vehicles, um, I think, seven, eight years away um, because there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. So uh, the goal of that report is really to highlight different ways that companies can start using these advanced technologies to get in front. And um, like you said, to innovate, it's important to stay in front because if mm -hmm. you just try keeping up, that's when you get left behind. In this type, and the beautiful thing about this report is that number one, it's very in depth. A lot of thought goes behind it. It's free, which is which is great. So I think your you know your customers or potential customers or anyone that wants to learn more about you know what could be coming, this is a great report to get your hands on. Now you know where how often you know it's every two years you talked about and it's it's really comprehensive. So is there a team of of folks that work on this, Ben, with you, or how, who puts this together? So yes, it is extremely comprehensive. Uh, there is a whole team that innovation managers kind of positioned around the globe. So we get a little bit okay. of global input to make sure what we're saying here in the Americas also makes sense and is relevant to our customers in Asia, Europe, um, Middle East, Africa, all over the world. And so um, it's, it's a global effort. It really is uh, making sure that everything that's on there is fact-checked and relevant for every customer that reads it. So it takes That's quite great. a bit of time. Uh, also to mention, the trend radar really just scratches the surface. 
Um, we also every year, um, in addition to the trend radar, publish kind of what we call a deep dive, which is a trend report into a topic or two that you might find on the trend radar. Um, some recent examples are digital twins. Um, we have another one that's coming out in just a few weeks to months. So keep an eye out on that. That'll be found on the same website as the DHL trend radar. Okay. So there's a lot to uh, a lot there, sustainability, IoT, all the buzzwords that you hear. This will really help uh, understand what those are and how to speak about them with regards to a supply chain. That's great. So let's talk about, you know, I guess that what's close to us now, 2022, 2023. You're, you're, you're doing a lot of proof of concept now. I know vision is is in AI is a huge, you know, we're, we're focused on that with um, with Plus One Robotics and, and, and really like what they have to offer. I know you're doing some testing with those guys as well, but when you look at vision, where are you seeing the impact there Vision, you know, plus robotics, and, and where can you, you know, what are you trying to tie in over the next year or two there? It's a good question. So, I mean, years ago when we started out, uh, when DHL started out its robotics journey, it was collaborative robots doing doing work on or collaborative arm robots doing work on a fixed path. So it knows point A and it knows point B, and it knows okay. that it's just going to repeat that over and over. The addition of advanced vision in these technologies has really allowed us to work on more dynamic and open-ended problems so that we don't just have to do the really easy predictable uh, tasks, we just have to be able to do tasks that fit within a much wider set of requirements. So having uh, the AI vision, like the ones that you mentioned from uh, Plus One Robotics, just to name one of many, right. Right. Um, has really enabled us to explore the state of technology and push some of these uh, use cases to levels of automation that really make them quite conducive to a competitive ROI. And um, not only that, but really make our operations more efficient too. Now that's great. Yeah, the one thing that we're, we're actually setting up here uh, on site, we'll have it up and running in a few weeks, but we've got a, a demo cell, full, a full cell here where we're, we're showing the ability of a, of a FANUC arm with a custom Robex end of arm tool. We're using the, we're using the plus one robotics vision software and what we're doing is we're doing mixed pallets. So we're going to have different cases, different products stacked on a pallet. And this happens in thousands and thousands of locations across the U.S. where these mixed pallets are coming in and they have to be de-stacked. They've got a, you know, right now, most of that is, is being done manual where they're taking a, a product and they're making sure that product goes to the, the right conveyor or the right second location, whatever that might be. And what we're going to demonstrate is the ability with using, you know, top of the line vision software, top of the line robotics, you know, a, a good integrator, what that can do potentially for other, you know, these these warehouses, 3PL supply chain areas where they can, you know, automate that process where it never could have been done before. Yeah. And I mean, first, I want to hit on one thing you said. It's plus one vision, FANUC hardware. Robex is the integrator. It's these are not these are not just plug and play solutions. They require quite right. a bit of planning. And um, I think, as you would agree, being in the business, there is no shortage of companies in this space looking to do this. Uh, I mean, the Fanic Plus One Robex. I mean, that sounds like a winning solution right off the bat there. But um, one of the things that we do at the Innovation Center is we're a logistics company at DHL. We stick to our guns. That's what we do. Logistics. Right. That's 
that's our bread and butter. We look to but part of the trend research and innovation group is to make sure that the companies that we engage with are really the ones that are state of the art that are equipped to make these meaningful changes and that can support not just a proof of concept, but also scale those into operations because DHL, I mean, you get a pilot and that's great. That's one robot. And yes, it's going to make a difference, but we're really looking at the long term. Any engagement we have is with the intention of scaling these solutions, finding a way to make them a standard part of our operations, whether it's supply chain, e-commerce, global forwarding or express. That's great. At the end of the day, I mean, your goal, obviously, is to bring as much value as you can and DHL can to your customers. And by, you know, by helping them continue to be competitive is, is huge. And, and that's what I think is so cool about everything that DHL is doing, the Innovation Center. Kind of going back to my, my visit there, I was just blown away with with how, number one, how just cool it is to go in there and kind of see everything you guys have it you know, staged off in different areas of, of different technology and automation that you're able to see. Walk me through, uh, walk the listeners through what's behind the idea of these innovation centers and what the goal is and like how many, how many people are coming through. And if, if you want to talk more Chicago, that's fine because that's, I know the America's uh, headquarters there for the innovation center, but sure. help everybody understand what the whole purpose behind this is. So the purpose is, I mean, the overarching purpose is to bring value, like you said, by bringing state-of-the-art uh, technologies and innovations into operations to drive meaningful and impactful change. So uh, that can be done in a lot of ways. Working with innovation and advanced technologies, it's a full-time job. As soon as you start saying to someone who is in charge of running their day-to-day -day operations and inventory management, hey, I also need you to um, keep an eye out if there's any new technologies that can totally change our operation that's really putting a lot of work on one person's plate and it's not quite going to be setting them up for the most success and really the purpose of our innovation centers for dhl is to help our customers offload some of that to make sure that they can focus on providing the best operations and service to our customers and us at the innovation center in partnership keyword there's partnership with our customers right. and operations is help them find the best technologies to drive that meaningful and impactful change. And so how, how many people come through the Innovation Center on an annual basis, would you say? So annually, our goal right now in Chicago is about 5,000 people per year. And this isn't, we're not open to the public. I think that's important too to note. It's, yes. These are executives of some of our customer organizations, DHL operations. These are people that really are gonna be some decision makers um, that can help drive this change top down. And so um, each innovation center globally has their own kind of metrics and KPIs. But in addition to those, um, in addition to those tours and workshops that we have a fantastic dedicated team to supporting, we also host events, uh, conferences. Um, I guess usually we've pivoted a bit more to virtual engagements this past sure. year, but very excited to have in people in-house again soon. Yeah, and I and I think uh, so. Five thousand—that's a big number. That's a lot, uh, probably a lot larger than most of the listeners would would see. So, what what process does a customer go through to be able to to get in the doors to see what it is that you have to offer and DHL has there at the Innovation Center? Well, if you're a DHL customer, it's super easy. Um, there's a lot of DHL customers out there, so find a way to. Uh, Either reach out directly to us and we can help put you in contact with the customer manager who kind of manages that relationship. 
um, <clears throat> in order to try to make sure it's not a wild goose chase or just a museum of free entry, we, right. we do keep a structured approach of how and who we let in and what those engagements look like. Each engagement is customized and planned specific to that operation. So an oil and gas customer that comes in for a tour and workshop, they're going to be seeing the whole showroom, but very, they're going to have different focus areas than an e-retail and fashion customer may see when they come through there. So I guess, long story short, the best way is just reach out to us. Um, and if we can get you in, that's our goal and we'd love to make it happen. Uh, if not, take a look at DHL as your uh, solutions provider because I mean, we're awesome. They're great. It's a great company. So what happened? let's talk about that. Yeah, that's good <laughs> that you're supposed to be. So let's talk about the, the one, the folks out there that are not current DHL customers. I, I assume you entertain, you know, it's a, let's say it's a large opportunity. You guys have went through the vetting process. They're still not a customer. Do you allow people into the innovation center as part of a way to convert them into a DHL customer? Yeah. So if a customer is part of an RFP or an RFQ uh, mm -hmm. for a possible warehouse or something like that, it's kind of unfair to say to the customer, trust us with this multi-million dollar deal. Right. It'll, it'll be fine. So we want to bring them in to show them like, hey, we practice what we preach. This is just a taste of some of the technologies, like some of the technologies and really just a taste because there's so much that we can't fit into our uh, facility there that the goal is if you work with DHL, you're gonna have access to these resources and access to um, people that their job is to help you bring these advanced technologies into your operation so that you can focus on running your operation and let us worry about some of those supply chain shortages because that's what we're good at. We can handle we can handle those, um, those speed awesome. bumps along the way. No, that's great. I, I really think what you're, you've all done. And it's great that you've got the the next center in Dubai opening up, and it, it's it's amazing what's out there. And I think this is such a really cool way to showcase what you know what's possible because so many of us, you know, we're on we're online, we're we're doing our own research. It's hard to kind of get your mind around all the new automation and the technologies that are out there. And being able to walk in firsthand, have someone walk you through it, see it, touch it you know, kind of just understand a little bit more in depth of what's possible is a huge benefit. And I and I just, I guess for all the listeners out there, for those of you that are DHL customers, if you haven't been to the Innovation Center and there's value there, please reach out to Ben and his team. And for those of you that are looking to maybe convert, you know, follow that process that Ben outlined. What I'll do, Ben, you, I did see this on YouTube. I think Fanuc sent it to me originally, but you have a pretty cool short little video that's um, kind of a highlight of the, the DHL Innovation Center in Chicago. Is yep. that right? That yeah, is. Okay. So I'll put that in the show notes so people can can watch that short little video. I'll also put in you know the the link to the logistics trend radar that we talked about, and then maybe contact information for for those that want to get in in contact with you and your team. Is there is there anything else as you as you look forward and seeing what's happening within supply chain specifically? Anything else that you think is would be worth sharing? You know, during this episode, I what I would like to do, Ben. It, this is changing so fast. I think every six months, you and I should get on and kind of even do an update of what's happening. I think that'll be very beneficial for the listeners. But is there anything else you want to talk about? Why I have you here today? I mean. We talked a little bit about how customer companies that are just trying to keep up are the ones that fall behind and become 
obsolete or forgotten about. I think right. it's important. Uh, we kind of highlight DHL really sticks to its core competency of logistics and supply chain management. And then we look for that partnership approach with technologies. Um, like we said, everyone knows e-commerce and sh the shipping industry has been absolutely booming. And what's great is management sees that. And as a result, within our e-commerce business unit, um, the company's investing $300 million in the coming years to expand wow. square footage by about 70%. So non-negligible. On top of that, $360 million for Express Americas only, so not even including the other parts of the world. Uh, and while, yes, a majority of that is going to go to expanding operations, um, a non-negligible amount of that is going to be going to making sure the operations we have can get uh, improved and upgraded so that they can continue to support our customers at the level that our customers expect and want when they sign with DHL. That's awesome. Yeah, that's those are massive investments, and I think just those numbers alone will, will should tell everybody, all the listeners, the the commitment DHL has to its customers and, and future customers as well. So that's great. Well, Ben, listen, I I appreciate you taking your time. I know you're I know you're really busy. We'll go ahead and we'll we'll post all um, for the listeners. All, everything that we talked about will be in the notes. But I look forward to you know touching base with you here in the next few months and continuing our conversation. Awesome. Thank you so much, Craig. Awesome, Ben. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Automation Solution Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and give us a review. Also, please be sure to mention us to your industry colleagues. For more information on the solutions that Robex offers, check out our website at www.robex.us. Thanks again for listening, and until next time,